Hello, and welcome back to Idiot. Why are you laughing? Because I realized we forgot to say energy up, energy up, energy up. Don't say like. <laughs> Don't say like. Energy up, energy up, energy up. Don't say like. Energy up. Okay. Okay. Hello. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do it again. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Idiot's Alphabet Soup. We're back. It's us, and we're the idiots, baby. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I know. Okay. Should we start off with a little life update today, Catherine? Well, I know that you were just chomping at the bit to do a life update, aren't you, Jenny? I am. And here's why, folks. I have broken my finger. <laughs> and I want to tell the world about it, honestly. Um, I'm trying not to be one of those people that, like, breaks a bone and then, or, like, injures themselves in some way and then just has to tell everybody in the world about it. But, like, it's so hard to not be that person. Like, I was insufferable the the day I got my x-ray and found out that I had broken it. Anyway, the story is, I was playing, I was playing volleyball, uh, which I've been doing a lot lately. It was intramurals. It was the uh, quarterfinals game. And... We were, we were really fighting. Um, it was a tough game. We were, in the third set, we were behind by, like, a point or two. And um, I was in the setter position, and I went to set the ball, and it came down just directly on my ring and middle fingers and, like, jammed Ouch. pretty badly. Um, but it went over the net, and we won that point. But, like, my fingers hurt so bad. But I was like, I gotta, gotta be tough, gotta be strong, gotta keep playing. <laughs> gotta win the game. <laughs> Um, which we did end up winning barely, but we won. Um, and then we went to, not, we went to afterwards, my one, my middle finger felt fine, but my ring finger, I was like, man, this like, this hurts a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I iced it that night and then I iced it some the next morning and I was like, you know what? Like, it's kind of swollen, kind of bruised. Like I should, I should just go and get this checked out, like make sure everything's okay. Um, (laughs) Honestly thought I just, like, sprained it or something. Um, but they x I went to the doctor, and they x-rayed it, and they were like, well, it's broken. <laughs> um, thankfully, not badly. Just a little fracture. But I'm in a splint currently. It looks like I'm flipping everybody off all the time, which is great. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm going to be in this thing for, like, six weeks, which kind of sucks. But I'm basically done teaching like basically done with school and also the volleyball season's over right now so if it was gonna happen now's probably the best time also like you know what out of all the injuries that you could have it's like if you broke your finger you get like you get the attention of like breaking a bone but also not having it be like the biggest like hassle you know yes it's not like a broken arm it's not like it broke a leg that would that would suck well, like, you broke your little fingy, and you have the splint, so people notice, and you're not, like, a jerk being like, look what happened to me. No, they see it, and they ask. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, and, like, there's only there's only two things that I'm, like, actually, this really sucks to try and do this with a broken finger. Uh, everything else, like, I can kind of manage. But doing my hair is difficult, and washing <laughs> dishes is difficult. <laughs> but other than that, like, I'm still quite capable. 
Oh my gosh, Jenny. Like, since the last potty, we have both just been not killing it in the body department. Oh my word, you're so right. Because I broke my finger and you got sick, like quite sick for the first time in like 10 years. Yes. Okay, so like last, I like completely forgot about this because of the finger debacle. But (laughs) life update, I got sick. Like, madly sick. I I didn't go into the office at all um, last week. Um, and I just worked from home. I even took some sick, sick days off. Yeah, that was that was crazy. For context, Catherine is the type of person... I'm going to tell this for you. Mm-hmm. Catherine is the type of person to, like, never get sick. Um, maybe a little sniffle. Maybe, like, a little under the weather. But never, like, full-on sick. Not since she got dengue fever. <laughs> Not since I got dengue fever, for sure. And it, like, surprised me. I'm like, is this how people feel all the time? This sucks. And sent me this voice memo. I think it was, like, Wednesday morning. Because um, <laughs> you'd been, I think you stayed home the day before, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Wednesday morning, she sent me this voice memo. Her voice sounded awful. Like, she sounded miserable. She was like, Jenny, I feel so terrible. But, like, do you think they're going to be mad at me if I don't go to work? <laughs> so I responded. I was like, Catherine, you absolutely cannot go to work. I don't know. I I was like in a delirium because I thought for sure, like I checked my temperature. It was like 101.5 or whatever. And I'm like, tight. I got a fever, but I can still make this work. I can still get to work. It's still 730. Like I can make it. And, like, that's, like, just genuinely what I thought. And I'm glad I sent you that voice memo. And you were like, Catherine, you are sick. Like, do not go to work. Because I had my jacket on because I was going to warm up the car. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) word. So ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then you, you like, slept all day that day. I remember because you kept sending me these messages. It'd be like, I took a nap. Two hours later, Jenny, I took a nap. <laughs> and every time oh I was like, God. yes, girl, you sleep. <laughs> it was, like, so miserable. Like, I cannot stress enough. Like, I don't get sick. Yeah. Ever. Like, tell them, tell them the story of um, the strep throat. Right. Okay. So, this was, like, in college. And I was, like, hanging out with my boyfriend at the time. Well, like, he's my husband now. But, like. I was hanging out with Luke, and I said, oh, my throat's a little scratchy. Like, can I, can can we have some tea? And, like, and he gave me some tea. And, like, we shared the same teacup or whatever. And then the next day, I was, like, fine. My throat was a little itchy, but, like, whatever. Um, but he was, like, deathly ill because it turns out I had strep. <laughs> and, like, he had to go to the doctors. And it was, like, out of commission for, like, a week and a half because of me. But I felt fine. I was, like, a little itchy throat, but whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I don't know what this was. I told Jenny it was Swedish milkmaid disease. <laughs> that's why, like, she got it and she felt fine after a few days. But for me, it was, like, miserable. Yeah, because, like, a few days before this... Like, when the week we've been hanging out, both of us felt, like, a little bit under the weather, but not bad. And, like, when I got home, I felt fine. 
and then you just got like knocked flat by this disease (laughs) it's generally not the way it works with the two of us oh my gosh that was so awful honestly a really hard time in my life but i'm glad i'm through it (laughs) me too i felt so remember do you remember how miserable i was yes you were so miserable and i felt so bad for you you're like stop like don't be stupid i was like you're gonna do better in the future if you stay home and rest now (laughs) oh my gosh oh man i was also trying to convince you to go to the doctor um yeah if like you kept feeling bad but you started feeling better so it's fine yeah but yeah i i was gonna go if like i wasn't feeling like a hundred percent I mean, I, if I wasn't feeling better the next day, but I, I felt better, so. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it's, I think it's a good thing that happened, because then when I jammed my finger, I was like, I was so on Catherine's case about going to the doctor. Like, I, <laughs> I should also, I should not be a hypocrite, not be a hippo, and, like, go to the doctor. And it's a good thing I did. I know. Because, like, I remember, you were like, should I go to the doctor? Like, am I overreacting? I'm like, go to the doctor. Just go. Yes. Like, I show up at the doctor's office, and, like, as soon as I show up, my finger hurts less. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my word. Like, literally, (laughs) I'm being so dramatic. Like, I'm sure my finger is fine. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, there's literally nothing wrong with your finger. It's going to be better tomorrow. If you would have just waited longer, you wouldn't (laughs) have needed to come. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. So, like, it it was unfortunate that it was broken. Because, like, it sucks to have a broken finger. But it was, like, slightly validating to be like, okay, like, I'm not being dramatic. Yes. Like, we're, we were brave little girlies today. Yes. I mean, this week. We've been so, so brave. We deserve a treat. Yes. Yeah. Also, just one last thing. Okay. But, like, I did not expect how, like, weepy I would be. Like, when I was sick. Yes. Because I was like, I texted you that day on Wednesday, and I was like, is this, like, I don't, I'm crying right now, and I don't know why. (laughs) That's pretty standard for when you're sick. But then our friend Garrett was like, I never cry when I'm sick. And we're both like, was that, was that Zach who said that? I think it was Zach. I think it was Zach. Zach was like, I never cry when I'm sick. And we were both like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, so weepy. I don't know what's up with that. That's cringe. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Imagine Any crying. other life updates? Um, I think that's the major, the, like, those are the major things that happened. We have some stuff coming up in the future. Um, yes. Next weekend, Catherine's coming down here. We're going to have a good time. Um, uh, We're going to go see Handel's Messiah. Yes. <gasps> we also have, like, a bunch of exciting things lined up for the potty. Yes. Right, Jenny? We do. We may be stealing an idea from, what are they called? Daughters of Promise. The Daughters of Promise. Love ya. Yeah. Um, a little reading challenge. We'll talk about it more at the end of the podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. Also, we got some new mics for the podcast. And Catherine got a new phone. I got a new phone. And conclusion... We're going to have our first video podcast next episode. Just in time for Christmas, it's going to be be cozy and cute. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking about Emily Dickinson, like 
this book of Emily Dickinson poems that we both read, you'll be able to see my broken finger in person. It'll be great. I mean, in person, quote unquote, but like on video. It's going to be great. Oh my gosh, Jenny, should we make a reel announcing this? Our first we should. Podcast. We totally yeah. should. Oh my word. Yes. So today's episode is going to be like a, a reading recap for the year and then also like what our reading goals are for next year. We, yeah, for our reading recap, we decided to, to talk about books that we've both, or that we've read, but have not talked about on the podcast at all, except um, I'm allowing myself one exception. <laughs> and so we divided this up into um, six, ca- seven categories, and we each picked a book in each category. Um, and the categories are most fun, most impactful, everyone should read this, most informative, most what the actual bunny slipper and then never read this book and overall favorite yes um yeah so we just picked a book for it let's talk about it Catherine. what was the most fun book you read this year okay so the most fun book i read this year is called a solitaire mystery by Josine garter and this book has like a special place in my heart because one of my favorite books ever Um, is this book called Sophie's World. And it's basically about um, Sophie, which is a young girl who lives, a a young girl who like gets these series of letters from a philosopher. And basically the philosopher is like trying to explain philosophy in a way that uh, a 12 year old girl can understand. Actually, I don't know if she's 12, maybe she's 14, 12 or 14. Anyway, uh, in a way that a young kid can understand. And like, I've always wanted to read more of his books. And I just never got around to doing that. But like a few months ago, me and Jenny were at Blacksburg Books, which is Jenny's favorite bookstore. Shout out Blacksburg Books. (laughs) Love you. Um, And I, she found a solitaire mystery and she was like, oh, Catherine, you should get it. And I was like, absolutely, I should get it. Um, And so I did. And it's basically, it's kind of philosophy adjacent, but it's more of like a mystery and like, it's about family and like we're all connected um this young kid and his dad are going on this journey to find um the kid's mom because she left them when he was young and like they go on these series of adventures and there's a strange bun involved some um dwarves a pack of cards and um rainbow colored goldfish and somehow they're all like they all go together um and also there's a joker that knows the future so ooh yeah it's Love just that. like a fun multi-generational story but also like it's got a lot of whimsy all that yeah and i think everyone should read it um, I'm, I know it's not in the category of everyone should read it, but I think it, everyone should read it. Also, it's very fun. It's the most fun book I've read this year. Highly recommend. Nice. People, if you're listening, A Solitaire Mystery. All right. End of presentation. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the most fun book that I read this year um, is also somewhat mystery adjacent, but not entirely. It's called Killers of a Certain Age. Um, by Deanna Rayborn. Love you, Deanna. 
Love you. I don't know if I love her or not. I liked this <laughs> book. <laughs> um. Anyway, the premise is this. There's these four women who, um, when they were in, like, their young 20s, were recruited to be assassins. Um, but now, like, so they do all these, like, assassination jobs together, whatever. But now they are, like, old. They're in their 60s. I mean, I guess... Sorry to those of you who are in, a, in your 60s. I just called you old. But, like, they're they're older. They're in their 60s. They're, like, <laughs> they're it's time for them to retire. So they're retiring, and they're going on this, like, retirement cruise together. Uh-huh. And while they're on this cruise, they recognize um, this, like, fellow assassin. Like, this, this guy who works for the same company that they do, although he's much younger. And they realize uh-huh. that, like, there's a hit out on them. And, like, someone is trying to kill them. Um, and so they have to, like, A, figure out how to escape the situation uh-huh. they're in. And then they go on, like, this, this I don't know if plot, not plot, not rampage. But, like, the story is basically these four women trying to figure out, first of all, who is trying to kill them. And then get them back. Um, and so, like... It's a little, it is a little, like, violent and gory, but, like, it's so fun, because normally your, like, assassin stories don't involve 60-year-old women. (laughs) And, like, you do have to suspend disbelief slightly when it comes to, like, how much these women are capable of, but it's so much fun. And I, I gave it to my mom to read, and she also was, like, it's so entertaining. Like, it's not the type of book you would she went into it not expecting to enjoy it as much as she did um but yeah very fun very enjoyable i love that you know what i do love the genre of like and of like books and movies with like old lady escapades yes old lady escapades is fun yeah like as long as it's done well yeah have you ever seen um this movie is called First Wives Club. I have not, but I have seen this movie called The North Avenue Irregulars. <laughs> I've never seen that. It's like very, I feel like it's pretty niche. It might be one of those like straight to VHS movies. But it's about okay. these, uh, this group of old church ladies and also one man <laughs> that like <laughs> are trying to like uncover this like gambling ring or something. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking about we should watch um that and like the first wives clubs because it is so old lady escapades. It's like these group of four women who were like college um best friends and like at around the same time all of them had their husbands leave them for like younger women. And so these old ladies get together and they're like trying to get back at their ex-husbands. <laughs> That is incredible. Yeah, it's so we good. Definitely watch that. Yeah. All right. So we've mentioned our most fun books. What would you say was the most impactful book you read this year? And you can also explain like why, how it impact, like what made you put it in the category of most impactful. Okay. So the most ex- uh, impactful. I was gonna say expactful, which is like not a thing. <laughs> 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 the most impactful. It's not impactful. It's expactful. 
There's the title of the podcast. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. What was I saying? The most impactful book that I read this year um, is, I'm sorry, Emily, like, I know you hate this series, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's Paralandra by C.S. Lewis. So this is the second book in his space trilogy. And I'm just going to explain a little bit of it. You actually, well, according to the to the description in the beginning, you actually don't need to read the first book to understand the second book, which but I can't like, believe. I don't know if I believe that because I started reading the second book. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. And like, I would be quite confused if I hadn't read the first book. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what C.S. Lewis says. That's what the man said. Um, anyway, um, it's basically about this man, Ransom, um, and uh, an angel of God sends him to another planet, um, a younger planet than Earth's, um, and the creatures there have not yet committed their original sin. And so God's angel has sent him, and Satan is also has also visited that planet, and he's trying to get them, he's trying to tempt them, to commit original sin, and it's Ransom's job to stop it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, oh yeah, and so, like, it brings up, like, a lot of interesting questions about how it's easy to do things, it's easy to follow, like, God's laws if if you see the good in it, but if you don't see the good in it, you don't, you kind of don't see, like, why why he says things are so then it's like harder to follow but there's like joy and obedience and like yeah and there are some things like as a christian that i wrestle with that i like don't understand like why but it, it was like a good perspective it's like okay maybe That's yeah cool. yeah you nice. should finish it i should i um that's actually what I should read this week yeah. when I have time. Because, like, Ransom said this thing, which is, like, really interesting, too, is he says, like, the devil doesn't tempt you with lies. He tempts you with truth. Ooh. And I'm like, oh. That's that good. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a goodie. <clears throat> um, I'll admit, it was tough for me to choose a most impactful book that wasn't one of the ones that we talked about on the podcast. Because I feel like the books that the books that got me the most were all ones that we ended up talking about, but there was there was one that like okay when I think of books that are impactful or like when I think of the impact that a book has on me, it's usually this like me not being able to stop thinking about it for a while, um, and this is one of those books that like just stayed in my mind. It's called The Last American Man by Elizabeth Gilbert who is the same person that wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which I've never read. But, um, yeah, I don't know how it compares to The Last American Man. The Last American Man is the story of this guy named Eustace... um, Conway. Conway, thank you. (laughs) Eustace Conway, who, um, from the time he's young, just loves being outside and is, like, hyper aware of the world around him and um, just really loves nature and wants to see nature 
preserved and also is super fascinated by the way that like Native Americans lived um, and people who can live off the land and still like treat it with respect. Um, And so it's the story of him and how he like, he has this complicated relationship with his dad who's also very smart, but in a very different way than Eustace is. Like Eustace, when it comes to school, does not tend to do well, at least in like high school, middle school, grade school. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just brilliant when it comes to the outdoors. Whereas his father is like very, a, a very smart guy um, when it comes to like math and science or whatever. Anyway, so there's like this, this tension between the two of them. And then also this like fascinating story of this guy who's an insane outdoorsman. Um, and so I went into it thinking like, oh, this will be an interesting story about this guy who loves the outdoors, um, and like about all the adventures he had, but really what ended up impacting me was this relationship that he had with his dad and how it's like, he, he has such a strained relationship with his dad, leaves home and ultimately ends up becoming like, ends up adopting the parts of his dad that he hates the most. Like you get to the end of the book and he has all these spoiler i guess i don't know he has all these like complicated relationships with people and like it's really hard for people to get along with him and it's because he behaves like his dad does he does all these things that he hated that his dad did to him but it's like that's the only way he knows how to do things almost uh-huh. um and then also like he has such a strange he has a strange relationship with his dad but also like works so hard to get his dad to notice him and be impressed by him. I don't know. It's That dynamic is just so fascinating in this book. And, like, I was mulling it over in my head for weeks. So that's why I found this book very impactful. Wow. I read the book, and I really liked it, too. Yeah. It's in my bookshelf right now, actually. <laughs> yeah. I need to take it home with me when I visit you. I know. Yeah, I think most of the books I'm going to say you have also read because when I read them, I'm like, all right, you're going to read them now. I know. I and should you... do that more often with you. Well, like I did do that a lot You've done with that you some. actually. Yeah, I think part of my problem is that like I have a huge stack of books already to read, which like you do as well. Um, but mine, I'm I think just is more, more thoughtful than you are. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, also, um, you read more than I do. Which means that it's easier for you to read my books and then also read your books. That's true. Okay. Okay. Should we proceed? We should proceed. Catherine? Yes. What's the book? I mean, you already said that you think everyone should read The Solitaire Mystery. But aside from that, what's a book that you read this year that you think everyone ought to read? So this one, I really liked. It's a... Book written by an Asian American author. Usually not my type. I usually go for Asian Asian. But this one was really good. It's called The Kitchen God's Wife by Amy Tan. Hey, I gave that to you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Uh, (laughs) I'm just looking for my flowers here, okay? (laughs) Yeah, you gave that to me because... I read another book of hers, The Joy Luck Club, and I gave it to you to read. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Yeah. So basically, The Kitchen God's Wife is a book about a mother and a daughter. 
the daughter is Asian American. She was born in California and like um she's married to a white man like she's very American and her mom like she doesn't understand her mom and she like knows next to nothing about her mom's life in China. Um and so we like flash we're like in the present time but we like constantly flash back to like her mom's story and how her mom like ended up in um America. And let me tell you. That girl. <laughs> that girly has been through it. <laughs> like Pearl the daughter like this isn't spoilers because it's in the first chapter. Like her whole thing is like she has um a disease. Some disease that's like late onset. I forget what it is exactly. Um Wait, just give me a second. Oh, she has multiple sclerosis. Okay. I made a note of it. Okay. <laughs> so, like, she, so like Claire, uh, Pearl has like multiple sclerosis and like it could come at any time. But her thing is like, oh, I don't want to tell my mom because she's just going to freak out and like be all mom-like. Like that's her, um, that's the, her main like, conflict right meanwhile her mom had like upended her life was spit on by her dad and just like got like assaulted multiple times had the worst husband he like he like absolutely detests her he like abuses her she tries to leave and he like sues her to come back like like so much has happened in this like mom's life and like her daughter is like being a little whiny baby but like you know what Lord. it was really good that seems to be um what amy tan like maybe she's probably written more than just these two books but like it sounds similar to the joy luck club because the joy luck club was also about like this mother-daughter conflict but specifically like mothers who had been through a lot and like daughters who had their own like modern problems but didn't couldn't relate to their moms at all yeah, and it's like I don't know. I have empathy for for both of them because like the the daughter like to her that is like the biggest problem ever in the history of the world. Mhm. But like to the mom, oh my gosh. That's nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's like I love a good novel that shows you like the power of women when they're powerless kind of thing. And like that book is all about that Love that's it. awesome yeah yeah feminism yes <laughs> oh, gosh. oh man also anyway that's it <laughs> all right you should ask me um what, what i think everyone should read all oh, right okay jenny what do you think everyone should read um okay so the book that i read this year that i think that everyone should read is called the art of gathering by priya parker Oh my gosh, I'm reading that right now. Yes. So, okay, I'd originally heard about this book on TikTok, interestingly enough. I don't know if I would say it was on, like, the book talk side of TikTok, because it wasn't so much anyone giving a review, but there was this girl who kept showing up in my TikTok feed who was talking about how, like, she was being so much more intentional about her gatherings with people because she read this book, The Art of Gathering. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. So I bought it, and I read it. Um, And, yeah, it's like... I don't know if I agree with everything she says. I'm like, I don't know if everything she says is necessarily applicable in the type of gatherings that I experience. 
But um, she talks about gatherings in this way that is very intentional. Um, and I think it's it's important for us to put that intention in when we're spending time with the people in love, we, the people we love. I think um, taking that time to think like, what is the purpose of this? How can I make sure that my guests have a good time and a good experience? I think it's important. I think it, it's a way of showing that we love the people we love and that we value the people we're spending time with. Um, and yeah, it, it reframed in some ways how I think about the way I spend time with people. Um, even like the time I spend in my classroom teaching, it made me think about like, okay, am I, are, are the things I'm doing um, contributing to the, the purpose of that? But then also just when I spend time with friends, like, am I doing this intentionally and thoughtfully? And maybe I won't implement the things she says every time I spend time with people or every time I host something. But I think because it it changed the perspective I have in some ways and introduced these new ideas. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think everyone should read it just so we can be more intentional about the time we spend together, especially because there's such a culture of, of loneliness going on right now. I feel like people don't like to spend time together um, and people are getting isolated, especially since the pandemic. And I think it's important that we spend time together in an, in, in an intentional way that is a positive experience for the people involved. That's my spiel. Nice. I, at first I didn't really like um, the art of gathering just because one of the first chapters is about thoughtful inclusion. I mean, exclusion. So she says like, why would you invite people that don't contribute to the purpose of your gathering? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so rude. Like, I want to include everyone in my gathering, but that's not true. Like, sometimes she said something of like, you need to build walls to make a room. And I'm like, man. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I had a similar reaction when she said that. Where she's like, sometimes you need to exclude people. And I was like, but my mommy told me I have to include, I have to invite everybody. <laughs> that's not Christian. Um. <laughs> But it was it was interesting because it was like sometimes to create the best experience for the, your guests, like and yeah, to to uphold the purpose of your event, like you can't just invite everybody. You need to invite people that contribute to the purpose. But that's so sad because that implies that some people are just inherently not includable. You know, like I can yeah, think, I mean, like I don't want to like expose anyone, but I can think of multiple people who are inherently like excludable by her definition. Yeah, but then also, like, there there are some events that, like, they do contribute to the purpose. That's true. But maybe not my purposes. True. And that's sad, because, like, I don't hate them. Yeah, I mean, maybe... <laughs> maybe... Maybe the key is that, like, if you notice that there's someone who's often not contributing to the purpose, you need to create an event with a purpose that that person will contribute to. Maybe so. But it's like, oh, that's, it's just, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is so cold and calculated. Like, when I have board game night, do I have to think about everyone and be like, do you contribute to the purpose of this board game night? No? Get out! <laughs> 
Oh man. But like there is only so many people you can invite over for board game night because like only like only so many people can play a board game together at one time. That's true. But it's like harder if you have the space but you just choose to exclude. That is true. That you know? is true. Like if there were only five people on my board game night and you eight people can play. Like it seems ruder than if there were already eight, you know? Yeah. Man, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, you should read The Art of Gathering and then tell us what you think about this. Yeah. And it's like, I'm I'm being a hypocrite because, like, I told you this. Um, I didn't really think about it. We're, we're doing it, like, unconsciously. But any time that we meet up, it's a gathering. It's not a hangout. It's a gathering mm-hmm. because we always meet for a specific purpose. And I feel like we do things in a way that makes like the conversation richer. And I always get something out of like being around you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when we spend time with like the two of us spend time with other people, it's often like we're very thoughtful about who, who are those people we're spending time with. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, if it's just the two of us, like we definitely practice like exclusionary. uh... (laughs) Yeah. We're like, sorry, this event is just for us too. (laughs) (laughs) i need my alone time like get out (laughs) oh man okay all right we gotta move this thing along because we are not gonna have time to discuss our readings (laughs) okay okay um what was the most informative book you read this year this is actually pretty exciting my most the most informative book that i read this year is called the ghost map by stephen johnson and he goes into what do you call it like post-industrial revolution um, the post-industrial revolution era in like London and like how it was just the best place for cholera to spread. And so we follow these two men who aren't, one of them is a scientist. One of them is like a preacher and they both independently figured out how cholera spread. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because it spreads through people ingesting poo. And so people were pooing in the streets and it would get into their water supply. And so like certain families, even though they were like living close to each other, they would like be partial to different water pumps in the neighborhood. So oh, like- interesting. So one family might get cholera and the other one wouldn't because one of them had the poo pump and one of them didn't. Yes. And so there are like two leading theories about how cholera spread. It was by miasma which is like in the air Mm -hmm. or it was through like contact. And so people thought it was contact because people who live close to each other generally like go for the same pump or it's my, like they think it's like a, it's like a hygiene. Yeah. It's it's an air thing, but no, it's a poop thing. Also, he said something. And so like, it's a ghost map because like this, um, the scientists like kind of figured out like this he had a map and also some type of math like formula thing where like the proximity and like preference of water pumps like showed that um like that was how cholera spread and he like presented it to the to the um government or whatever and they were like haha we don't believe you like you suck that sucks. Um, so he only got his um, flowers after he died. But the point is, he figured it out. 
And like, I cannot imagine how brave you have to be to just like, to just like go to these neighborhoods, like not knowing for sure how it spreads and being like, what is your favorite water pump? Good, sir. <laughs> like, that's wild. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Also, did not know how miserable it is for uh, you to die of cholera. Like, you literally die in a puddle of your own poo. That sounds so disgusting. I know. It's, like, actually disturbing. Also, um... Sorry, I'm, like, going over. I'm sorry. I'm, like, looking at the thing. <laughs> um, but, like, he goes into this, like, analogy of how cholera can have, like, be born and died, like, a thousand times in a human lifetime. So, like, they have their, like, genetic advantage is, like, really strong because they can adapt with each, like, generation. But, like, humans, it doesn't work like that for us. We have a longer lifespan. Okay, I'm done. Read it. Everybody read it. It's very informative and very sassy and good. Okay, done. Honestly, I want to read it. I should add it to my one of the books I want to read next year. Yeah. Um, or maybe I'll read it at your house before the year is up. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the most informative book that I read is called The Man Without a Face by Masha Gessen. I actually bought this book <laughs> at a bookstore in Oregon um, like the day I was leaving. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I should give this to Catherine. And then I read it on the plane and then I gave it to you. Um, and it's the story of... For my of... birthday. Yeah. Wait, no, not no, for your birthday, no. just for a fun gift. <laughs> just for a fun gift. Um, it's the story of, uh, like, how Vladimir Putin came to power, sort of. And, like, some of the things he's done. Um, it was... So I don't know a lot about Russia or, like the political <laughs> sorry bless you um yeah i didn't know a lot about russia or like the political situation in russia and so that was why this book i think was so informative for me it was a little tough because all russian names just looked the same to me when i'm reading them um and so keeping track of people was a little tough but it was made easier by the fact that like literally every time a chapter started like focusing on one person the person was dead by the end of the chapter yep See, this um, is why I never read anything by the Russian authors. Ah, uh, because lots of people die? No, because, like, oh, everyone's the names thing. name sounds the same, and it's, like, blah, 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 ski. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, okay, whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think, so, just understanding, like, Russian history a little bit better was good. And then also, it was fascinating to hear, like, the ways that these people were killed. Like, some of the methods were kind of crazy. Like, putting poison on a light bulb so that when like the person turned the light bulb on it would this poison would like evaporate into the air with the heat from the light bulb and then um like this person would breathe it in and die or like yeah that was like like, something on the inside of an umbrella or something i feel like Mm -hmm. that was in there um so like the person would open it up and get like this poison on them it was like all these like kind of crazy ways um but yeah very fascinating very interesting. Um, also, it talked about Putin's crazy big mansion. Yes, that was that was wild. And yeah, also, he has a billion yeah. dollar mansion. Yeah, I looked up pictures of it, and like honestly, if I was gonna build a billion dollar mansion, it would be a lot cuter than his is. Like his is kind of ugly. Sorry, Putin. 
<laughs> don't come for us. <laughs> don't come for us. Don't um, paint any of our light bulbs, please and thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a really fascinating book, and like aside from the fact that I couldn't quite pe- keep people straight because their names just all sounded the same in my head, um, like pretty easy to read, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Love that. Should we right. move on? Let's move on. Catherine. To Watab. Watab. So for those of you who don't know, Watab is what the actual bunny slipper. It's a phrase that my sister coined. Um, and it's because, you know, we have to keep it uh, keep it PG on this podcast. Uh, and also, like, we don't swear. <laughs> um... So, Catherine, what was the most What the Actual Bunny Slipper book that you read this year? Okay. Get ready for a doozy, people. It is called The Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung. This book is wild. It's a bunch of short stories. And I'm pretty sure if you kind of tilt your head like 90 degrees, squint your eyes, it's about womanhood, probably. Um, but to me, it was just disgusting. Um, so there'd be like these short stories that like are so like, eh, like this one short story that I always complain to Jenny about. It's this (laughs) woman who like poops into a toilet and her poop gradually like, um, condenses and forms a consciousness so like anytime she poops yeah wait for this anytime that she poops this like little poop head shows up out of the toilet and just goes mama (laughs) (laughs) oh my word Uh, and i was just like what in the world am i reading and this poop head like gradually becomes a person she gives it her clothes and it strangles her to death who replaces her and i'm like that's so bizarre yeah or this one other story it was about this woman who like was on birth control but she wasn't having she wasn't sexing or anything she was on birth control and somehow she got pregnant and the doctor was like you have to find a husband or else bad things will happen to this Ooh. baby. And so she like tries to find a husband, but she can't. And so she like goes to the doctor after nine months because she's like about to bust out this baby. And the doctor's like, I can't believe you didn't find a husband. And she gives birth to a baby, but it is made of blood clots. That's so weird. So is the idea that, like, somehow if she had found a husband, it would be, like, an actual baby and not a baby of blood clots? Yeah, and it just, like, burst and then, like, blood splatter. And I was just, like, reading this, like, oh, my gosh, like, Borachung, you better be thankful that I'm so focused on my book goal because I would have dropped this so quick. This is, this is dropped this book like a hot potato. Yes, sir. Oh, man. But I'm sure Borachung cares so much whether or not you finish her book. <laughs> the most influential um book podcast in the history of the world so yeah yeah we won't be having her on the potty i tell you that i guess not anyway that's it that's my watab okay my most watab book was fairy tale by stephen king um it's not like a creepy stephen king book it's more of like a um 
fantasy maybe okay it's like there's this boy and he goes to like help he's like saves his neighbor because his neighbor like falls down um Uh and then ends up ends up like finding out and his neighbor has like this sort of odd situation going on there's a a lot of stuff that happens i won't spoil too much but the idea is he finds a portal to this like fairy tale world Okay. Where he takes on the role of this, like, prince that has to save the fairy tale world. And there's, like, these gray people and this girl with no mouth. Or, like, her mouth is, like, sewn shut. Um, uh-huh. And, like, people that can't see. And and also this, like, giant who has uh, a daughter who's, like, half giant and is really uggo. And there's, like, this duel where all these people have, like... Like, there's these prisoners, and they all have to kill each other, and then the winner has to, like, fight this ugly giant daughter. Nice. Um, Love that. I'd say not not as Wattab as yours, but a little bit Wattab, but ultimately, actually, (laughs) quite enjoyable. Um, I read it on the train, and it was was a good read. Very nice. Love that. Is it part of any other, like, Stephen King universe? I don't, not that I know of, although I don't know much about Stephen King universes. Um, okay. but it's not like a, it's not like one of his creepy books. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Next what's category, never read this book. Like, what's the book that you hands down, like, if if you saw someone was going to get it and read it, you'd be like, I recommend you don't. In fact, if I, I would strongly see, encourage. If I see anybody don't. on the Metro reading. American Psycho. You're just gonna slide right out of there. Brett Easton Ellis. I'm gonna walk right up there and just slap it out of their hands. And then I'm gonna slap kick it out of their hands and then I'm gonna throat punch him and then probably ooh, just like stick it in the Shove that book down his throat. Yes. Yes. Sounds so sexual, but not in a sexual way. In an aggro way. In an aggro deeply violent way because you know what this book did jenny it was deeply violent against my person um this man needs to i don't say this lightly maybe he would do well with some weed like relax you don't need to be out killing all these homeless people you don't need to be out abducting women and chopping off their nips that's just rude and, like, you don't need to go into graphic detail about it. Like, I know it's supposed to be satire and, like, ha-ha, consumerism makes us monsters. But you don't need to. You don't need to go into all the all gore, the all the gory details, all the torture. And, like, also, what's your problem with puppies? Like, <laughs> don't be out there killing puppies. That's it. All right. Well, the book that I say not to read is um, The Christie Affair by Nina Dagermont. I went, I'm a, I'm a big Agatha Christie fan. Like, I, I love her little mysteries. They're, like, cozy. Um, so when I was at the bookstore and the bookstore lady said, oh, we don't have any Agatha Christie books, but we do have this book called The Christie Affair. I was like, sweet. But I didn't buy it from the bookstore. I got it from the library because I'm cheap. It's awful. Like, if you're going into it expecting, like, a fun Agatha Christie story, no. It's just, like, bizarre. Um, It's not even, it's, like, barely even about Agatha Christie. It's about, like, this other lady. Um, It's supposed to be the story of when Agatha Christie disappeared for, like, ten days and nobody knew who she was. And it's like, oh, what actually happened? But, like, obviously it's not what actually happened. Yeah. Um, And this lady is, like, convinced that Agatha Christie's 
daughter is actually her daughter. It's very weird. It's it's not good at all. It didn't help that I read it in large print and somehow that made it worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't read The Christie Affair by Nina, De- Nina Degremont. Not good. Yeah, we hate Nina Degremont or whatever. Okay, man, this took this took us some time. Um, I know, girly. Told you it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> okay, so then, you read a lot of books so far this year, Catherine. Obviously, you still have more reading to go, but so far, of the books you've read this year, what has been your overall favorite? My overall favorite. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. This is a winner. Winner, winner, favorite dinner is this book called Revenge, colon, 11 Dark Tales, by my girl, Yoko Ogawa. Now this is an Asian Asian book. Love Yoko Ogawa. She wrote um, one of my other like favorite books, The Housekeeper and the Professor. Good book. And The Memory Police. Um, but it's basically 11 Dark Tales. No way. Wow. That um, it's kind of gruesome, grisly, but horrifying in a way that it leaves much to your imagination. And there's always some object, some person, or some instance that connects one short story to the next. And so you realize all of these people are connected by these objects or like innocuous details in each short story. I love that. And I highly recommend that you read it. Because it is great. Like, everyone read this book. Because it's not a brick. I guarantee you it's not a brick. And, like, one thing that, like, really grinds my gears when I read these short story books is that I have to, like, re reacclimate myself to, like, every freaking story all the time. But I feel like this book has, like, a really nice... Like, there's... Uh, it's, like, it's got one... Like, through line? through line that makes it so much easier to like place yourself and you don't have to like reset every time you read a short story which is what i hate um 11 dark tales by yoko ogawa read it highly recommend would put my reputation on that book that's awesome i should read that yes okay my overall favorite this is where i like let myself have an exception because this is one that we've talked about on the podcast before it is Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. This book, like, rocked my world, maybe, I would say. I read it for Brighter Winter, actually. Um, yes. At the beginning of the year. But it is so good. Um, it's it's easy to read, but also gives you this really interesting perspective on aging and dying and, like, how we approach these things. So fascinating. Um it was one of those books, it was another one that I, like, could not stop thinking about for a while. It, like, yeah, reframed my thinking and, like, made me think about things that I've never thought about before. Like, oh, crap, my parents are gonna die. Um, yeah. I'm gonna die. <laughs> People like, listen to our episode, uh, spoilers, we're all gonna die, because we talk all about that. We talk all about it. So I won't get too much into it, but it was, hands down, favorite book I've read this year. Oh, gosh. I love these categories because, like, we both went for, like, really different ones. Yeah. But, like, the ones that I didn't read, um, 
I kind of want to like the ones that you didn't make me read. I kind of want to read them. Yeah, honestly, the ones you read besides American Psycho, obviously, um, yeah. like I also kind of want to read them. Yeah, I'm not reading the Curse of Fair. I wouldn't recommend the Curse Bunny, but you should read the Blood Clot story and the Poop story because I want to talk about it. Um. Okay. And also, I would recommend Fairy Tale by Stephen King. Um. Okay. So that is our reading recap for the year. Um, obviously. We still have a few more we're going to keep reading before the year is out. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, it's getting towards the end of the year, which means we need to be looking towards what we're going to be reading next year. Yes, sir. So, Catherine, would you like to tell our listeners um, what we're using to guide our reading next year? Okay. So, initially... I mean, I think we've talked about it on and off again on the potty about how we don't think that a book goal with just like, this is the number of books I'm going to read. We don't think that's sufficient anymore because some books are heavier than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like initially Jenny was going to make a list of things that she wanted to accomplish and I was going to make a list of things I wanted to accomplish. We were like, why are we making separate lists when this could be a collaboration opportunity? And also, why are we making a list when we could make it a grid? (laughs) Exactly. So, there's a Jenny grid and a Catherine grid that you can complete, not for the month, so it's not technically like brighter winters. It's for the year. Yes. So if you're familiar, um, brighter winter, which is is this reading program that this uh, Mennonite women's organization called Daughters of Promise does every year, where like they have a, a grid of all these like reading challenges, and you try to accomplish as many in one month as you can, um, and you can like enter for prizes. Ours, um, we're doing some prizes individually with each other, but there's not, like, Idiot's Alphabet Soup is not doing any prize situation. You know what? People, if you complete one or both of our grids, we will send you a card. Yes, like a postcard. Yes. Yes. We will send you a postcard, and it will be funny and effervescent and just for you. Yeah. So, yeah. If you if you complete uh, complete one or both grids, send us a send us uh, tell us on Instagram. We'll send you a postcard. Um, yeah. And anyway, doesn't matter where you are. I got some international stamps. I got you. Yep. Um. So yeah, we're we're both gonna try to do the brighter winter reading challenge as well. But we made our own personal reading challenges. Um and. The rules as far as, like, double-counting books are as follows. Um, On each grid, you can use a a book for up to two spaces, um, Mm -hmm. for up to two challenges, but not two challenges in the same row. Um, So each row kind of has a theme on each of ours, and so you can use, like, you can use a, a book for two challenges in the grid as long as they're not in the same row. Yeah. Also, if you happen to use a book for two challenges in one grid, you can also use it for two challenges in another grid. It might be kind of unlikely that that would happen, but like you can double count in that way as well. 
Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're gonna are we gonna put them on our Instagram story or we're, how are we gonna share these grids? We're gonna put them on our Instagram story. We. I don't know. Like, I I wish there was a way for people to like sign up and we like announce it every couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. maybe you know what we could do is create a Google form that people <gasps> fill out and then we set yes. we send them the information. And Jenny, we should like we should um make a reel about it. <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> like everybody sign up for our reading grids. Whatever. Anyway, we'll probably we'll you know what we can do is we can share more information about it in our stories and like maybe clean up the grids a little bit to um send them out to everybody but yeah that's something to look forward to in the next year we're gonna have a reading challenges so it makes it 50 challenges overall because each grid has 25 challenges mm-hmm. um and yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be exciting yeah i'm thinking a lot of these books that we're gonna be using for the reading challenge we're going to be talking about on the podcast. I think so, yeah. Yeah. All right, e- should we wrap this up? Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a great episode, it's a good I episode. must say. All right. It, all right. All right. It's – what do I say again? This has been Idiot's Alphabet. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This has been Idiot's Alphabet Soup Baboosh. Baboosh. <laughs>